today, all of us, because of the moms who have influenced us. And I think it's interesting, like, when I look at my life, I think my, my story is not uh, dissimilar to probably most of your stories. That, like, I had a great, like, I had a bio mom um, who passed away when I was 23 years old, right into college, right? And she, she was amazing. I, I can say honestly and truthfully, I am who I am today because of her investment in my life, right? She, she loved me unconditionally. I literally, this morning, I was just thinking about the things that she did, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I mean, I was so ungrateful, right? I just kind of, kind of defined my life, the things that she would do, and the things that she would just, oh, I mean, it's just amazing what she did. So she loved me. And then when she passed away, my dad got remarried, and I have a stepmom, and she's great, right? She has loved us. She loves our family, right? She is, a, she's an amazing stepmom. And so in that, I also recognize that there are also lots of other moms, like women who have been a part of my life that God intentionally brought into my life to shape me into who I am today. That without them, without them, I would not be the man that I am today. That because of their influence in my life. And so I look across the, the span of my 45 years of life and I'm like, there's a, there's a really long list of women with a mother heart. Who came alongside and they shaped me and they and they loved me unconditionally. And I would have to guess that for most of us in this room, probably all of us in this room, that your life is, is no different and your story is no different. And so when we sit here today to recognize that and you can say it this way, that it really is, I believe, a design of the Lord, a design of the Lord that from the beginning that he put inside of of women this heart of a mom that, that truly engaged and invested, truly engaged and invested in the lives of those who were part of their lives to come alongside and that we are who we are today because of the moms that God has placed into our lives. And so I think with that, I, I recognize and I believe with everything inside of me that, that we sit here this morning with a heart of thankfulness and of gratefulness for the way that God has invested into our lives through moms. And if you have not taken time recently to either thank your mom or to find someone in your life who has been a part of that blessing, to thank them and to really show with great intentionality who they are and what they mean in your life, that you need to make time and do that because moms are important. Now, I want to start this morning a little bit different. I'm going to dive into some, some scientific things this morning that's very rare for me because I don't like science by nature. It was never very good at it. I'm going to dive into it this morning. And I'm going to dive into it because I believe, I, and I'm going to start because I believe it's important to recognize the impact that, that moms can have literally on our, on not just on our spiritual lives, our emotional lives, but also in the context of our physical lives. Now, in recent years, there's been a large amount of time devoted to the study of the human brain and the discovery by modern science that the brain is neuroplastic. Now, neuroplasticity teaches us the brain is able to change its structure in response to activity and mental experience. Basically, it means, just in real layman terms for me, right, that the brain can change and it can grow as it works. For years and years and years, science believed that the brain was just like any kind of mechanical mechanism. It just was what it was. It couldn't grow. It couldn't be shifted. It just was what it was. But in the study, it began to realize, no, the, there's a plasticity, right, a plastic nature to the brain that it can 
shape and be changed by the outside influences in the context of his life. So it basically means that a brain, a, you know, a brain can change and grow. And so a, a simple example would be this when your children, this is, this is the gift to you parents who still have children in school. When your child asks you, why do I have to do math? I will never use it. You go, well, because of neuroplasticity. That's all you have to say, right? Because the idea is that when you literally are doing these complex math problems on all these things, it's literally exercising your brain. Your brain is growing in the moment, right? And maturing and growing you in the ability to learn and grow and gain knowledge in life, right? Neuroplasticity. And so in the context of our life, we are always, always in the context of these moments, allowing our brains to shape and to grow stronger. At the same time, and this is the part I want you to hear this morning, I think it's fascinating. Neuroplasticity teaches us that one of the greatest, and hear this, that probably, honestly, from the beginning of the formation of our brain, the most important thing that's happening in neuroplasticity is that through connection, as in like healthy touch, and eye to eye, and this, the senses of being spoken to in presence of, of mom or of parent to child is literally growing the brain of a child and making it healthy. That neuroplasticity teaches us that when we, with anyone, whether it's small children or even as adults, when we are connected in community with someone who is loving us, who is in a healthy way touching us, giving us hugs, right, looking us eyeball to eyeball, playing, doing whatever it may be, right, in the context of our life, it's literally shaping and forming the brain into a healthy, active brain that creates a healthy, whole person. To make my point this morning, I, I want to show you a picture. You can go ahead and put it on the screen. What you see here is a PET scan of, of two different brains. The brain on the right is a picture of a Romanian orphan who was put into an institution shortly after birth. If you know any of these institutions, basically a, a mom gives birth to a child and immediately puts them into, into this, this basically like this big foster home with thousands of children and just a few workers. And the idea is that there's no interaction, that when a baby cries, it has to learn to self-soothe, right? This baby sits so there's no touch, there's no connection. And what we see then is this child literally, because of a lack of connection, a lack of intimacy, a lack of this emotional response, from a help from a mom to a child, it literally causes the brain to be unhealthy. What we see are these black spots in the brain, these are literally dead areas of the brain. What we see up here in the top part is what we call the, the frontal lobe, right? This frontal lobe represents the, the emotional activity in a child's brain. The more red and active it is, the more, see, the more red it is, the more active and the more whole and the more healthy it is. But what we see here, we see just a little bit of red, but some greens and some yellows representing this inactivity. And it shows this, um, this lack of emotional health, emotional stability in this child. This child literally, cognitively has been damaged. On the flip side, on the left, on the flip of the left, we see a PET scan that shows a child with a healthy brain activity. 
The comparison's astounding. The healthy child has very little black areas in the brain, the temporal lobes, that, north, that part right here in the front part, the top of the brain. They're red. They're showing high activity caused by strong emotional connections and, and touch from a loved one, right? This is the part that interprets all of our senses coming in. So the red represents this healthy brain, healthy connection, healthy touch, healthy engaging of the senses from those they're in doing life with and in community with. Right. It's just a beautiful, beautiful piece of emotional health and brain activity that's healthy. The science of neuroplasticity is a beautiful reality for us as human beings to understand the connection that we have with other people and how it literally impacts us, not just emotionally, but physically in the context of our brain or our brain where it processes the emotion. Now. Connecting back to last week just for a second and the idea of foster care. What we find, this is this neuroplasticity has been, in this study, has been huge in giving adoptive and foster parents hope when they bring children into their home. Why? Because a lot of times when children, not every time, but a lot of times when children come into a home, whether they're adopted from over here or maybe they're in a foster home, there's a, there is, there is neglect. And we all understand what neglect is, right? There's neglect that's defining that child's life in their home for multiple reasons, right? And so because of that neglect, literally they go into a fight or flight mode because of their lack of emotional stability and they've had to learn how to self care and protect, protect themselves because no one else will protect them and fight for them. And so what has happened, you can put this this picture back up real quick. So what we find is that back part of the brain, right, this defense mechanism is very red down here on the right, but not alive up top, but not quite the same on the left. Why? Because in the bottom right, this is their self-protection, their fight or flight mode. And so what has happened, they say this, is that when uh, children who are adopted and brought into a home or foster children who've been neglected come into a home, as you begin to engage them in the five senses, as you begin to emotionally, in a very healthy way, hug and put hands on shoulders and to look them eye to eye when they're talking, to let them know that they're important, let them know that they're valued. What they say is literally the brain goes from what you see on the right to what you see on the left. This is a picture of why adoption and foster care is important to children that are in need. It literally causes the brain to become alive because that's the beauty of neuroplasticity. It's not just set in stone never to change again. No, because we connect, because we love, and because we give ourselves of connecting with the five senses, a child with an unhealthy brain is able to then grow and their brains are able to become alive and active again. It's a beautiful reality and why what we're doing at Vintage is imperative imperative for those who are at need. So moms, why is this important on your day? Because mothers of all types, of every type, they are necessary for the growth not only of our children, but to be honest with you, every single human being that they are in relationship with. 
I can tell you today, I could go through women at our church who have been important to me because of their mothering, right? That mother heart of like, Steve, I just, just love you. So I've just been praying for you. Just like, I just, you know, this like mother peace, right? Like they, I'm changed because of their investments. And all of us are the same way. Yes, it's for our children. But to be honest with you, it's the heart of a mother who is sacrificially loving others and connecting with them with touch and with connection, with eyes like I just locked on saying, I care. Moms, as we do this, it literally creates growth and health for our children and for everybody else you're in relationship with, right? The investment of mothers into Anyone's life, physically, spiritually, emotionally, it has been, and it forever will be one of the greatest gifts of God to humanity. Whether you have bio children, whether you have spiritual children, it doesn't matter. Whoever you are influencing, you are creating a, a health in the context of their life. And so we can say this morning, I want you to hear this, mother's. Women, we need you. We need you to be who you are. We need you to invest. We need you to love. We need you to connect. We need you to do what you know men are terrible at, right? Caring, right? Loving on you, loving on people, taking those situations and coming alongside, walking the extra mile, showing compassion. Like we need you. We need you to do these things. It's the heart of God. Why? Because as you do it, you're expressing the heart of Jesus. Just theologically, can I just press pause real quick? God's not defined by sex, by gender. There's a mother heart of God and a father heart of God. When God created human beings, he created male and female, which are the full expression of who he is. So God is male and female in the sense of who he is in the essence of self. He is the mother heart and the father heart. What you have as a mother is the heart of God. It's the mother heart of God. You are expressing the compassion and the love and the mama bear of God. For those that are in need. And so with that in mind this morning, I want to, I want to look at a few different examples of mothers in the New Testament specifically that we begin to, to, to recognize and what they express is what God has called you to express. The first mom I want to dive, I want to look at is I want to, I want you to see Salome, the mother of James and John, right? The disciples of Jesus. This is kind of a funny and uncomfortable moment in scripture. Matthew 20, 20 through 22. It says this, then the mother of Zebedee's sons, Zebedee's the dad, he's too scared to come, so mom comes. The mother of Zebedee's sons comes to Jesus with their sons, and kneeling down, he asks for a favor. What is it you want? Jesus said. And she said, so, I want you to think, like there are lots of people in this room, lots of people, lots of other people in this room, but would you grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in the kingdom? Right? And Jesus, I think, with one of those, like, amused looks, looks at her and says, 
<laughs> you, 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 you just don't know what you're asking, right? It's one of those moments. Like, I can't determine that. That's up to me. The Father gets to decide that, right? This is great teaching moment, right? But what I love is that Jesus didn't, like, correct her. Didn't go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you. I think there's this amusement because, because all of us understand this moment, don't we? We all understand the moment that moms have done something like this in our life. Do you remember T-Ball? Are you going to play my son or not? What are you doing? He's awesome. He's not really right. Like you're so blinded to reality. But oh, what are you going to do? How many husbands in here, your wives have come to you and made you go fight for your kid because they're upset about something going on in your kid's life, right? That's what she's doing right here. She's coming in saying, hey, I know there are lots of guys. Here's the deal. We don't know what's going on. Is it? Is it? Like I, these are like these these like human factor moments in scripture that you don't get to know. So you get to kind of just kind of think about. Like as she's sitting there going, "Well, you better be sitting at Jesus' right hand and left hand. Get your stuff together. You're not going to go talk to him about it. Well, I'll go talk. Come on, she grabs him by the ears. I'm walking to Jesus. I have no idea. Scripture's not clear on it, right? Or is it one of those things like, hey? Like, they're just sitting there one day, and she's, like, doing her thing. And James and John are like, dude, we got to sit at the right hand and left hand. How cool would that be? Like, it's a power, it's a power position, right? Power position. Let's sit there. And James is like, John, you go talk to him. You go talk. No, I'm not going to do it. John's like, you go talk to him. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Mom goes, fine, fine, I'll do it. Come on, that'd be great, Mom. Because he loves moms, right? So he won't get mad at you. Yeah, you go talk to him, right? And so, they, like, is that what happened? Like, I have no idea. Like, I'm getting at least the human factors of Scripture, things that Scripture's not just silent on, so you get to kind of, like, imagine things. And you imagine what happens in real life. So something like this is happening right here in the moment. And she just comes, and the thing that I want you to recognize, and so the kind of point is this. Hear this, moms. Moms, by nature, have been designed to always take risks for their kids. And let me just tell you something. When you risk for your child, your child is changed. When you risk, this mom risked and she was wrong. Your mom, your kid's not that good at t-ball, I promise, right? But you took a risk. Do you know who cares? Do you know who feels loved? Do you know who feels changed in the moment? Who literally brain is changed in the moment? Your child. We take risks. We step out. You step out. We need moms to continue, like Salome here, to take risks. And the beauty of it is this. She stepped out and was wrong, and Jesus wasn't angry. I think he honored the fact that this mom said, this is what, this is what I designed you to do. I designed you to step out. You may not always be right, but to take risks. Because when you do, your child goes, did you just see what she did? The second thing we see, the second person is the Gentile mom from Mark 7, 20 through 24. We're going to get 26 through 30. So just real quick before I dive into the story, don't read ahead yet. Jesus is doing ministry and he's tired. And so he tries to go hide in someone's home. Everybody needs a little time away. A holiday, right? And so what happens though? Like Jerusalem paparazzi finds him. There he is right there, right? And they start running. And so one of the very first people who walks in is here in verse 26. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, Jesus says, let all the children 
eat, excuse me, let the children eat all they want, he told her. But, but it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, mm. for such a reply, you may go home. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying in the bed and the demon gone. Now, much could be said here. We could dive into the language that we're looking at here, but what I want you to hear is this in the story. The thing I want you to see about the mom is moms advocate for their children, even if it is scary and even if it is costly. Like, that's what we see in the story. This mom in the moment is pressing through. You see, Gentiles were not the ones that Jesus was sent to first, right? He was primarily first sent to the Jews. That's just the nature of the New Testament. And so he's coming in the moment and saying, listen, I, I'm not sent to you yet. The, the gospel is not for you yet. This thing that I've come for is primarily for the Jews. And we know a time is coming when they'll be for you also. But the woman comes in the moment and says, I, I, I get that. I get that. But by faith, she advocates for her daughter. And you have to recognize the mom advocated even though it was culturally and absolutely socially unacceptable. She was a non-Jew who then stepped into a Jew's home and then as a woman spoke to a man, which was completely inappropriate. And Jesus responds in the moment, not the warmest up front. And then she advocates and fights on the front in response. And he listens. And because of her faith and her advocacy and stepping up and not backing, not backing up, but fights for her and she's answered and her child is set free. Moms advocate. Listen, mothers were called to fight for and advocate for their children. I mean, let's just look, I mean, be honest with you. You want to look and tell the stories, hear this, of the greatest missionaries the world's ever known? Do you ever get amazed to see how many of them are single women? Like even in our midst, we have Tammy Hutchins, who is a single mom, now living in India, doing life and killing it. Have you ever heard of that Mother Teresa? I'm just saying, right? Amy Carmichael, many, many, many years ago, came and started this movement in the whole of India. Again, you go down the list. I mean, if you grew up in the Baptist church, about Lottie Moon? I mean, come on, right? It's like these incredible women who step up. Why do they do the things they do? Why do they sacrifice? Why do they risk their lives? Because of a mom's heart. Because of compassion. Listen, one of the stories I tell again and again about my mom I've told it here. I'll probably tell it again. When I was about, I don't know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I used to walk from my house through the backwoods to my buddy Dane's house, right? Dane Lorio. You may know him. Probably don't. And so he's driving, walking through the woods to get there. And I had to walk through somebody's backyard and down their long driveway to get to his house. It cuts off a whole five minutes, right? And let me say this. There's nothing special about their backyard. It's a bunch of ugly woods and then some concrete, right? And so I'm not doing, I'm not walking on flower beds. I'm not doing anything. I always say hello to the people and they're standing outside because I'm super nice all the time, right? So I'm walking down with my friends and we're just doing life. And so one day we're sitting there and a phone call is made at my home in a sense like we were receive a phone call. 
My mom answers it. It's like a Saturday afternoon. It's my dad's home. That's how I know. My dad's sitting at the kitchen table, just getting you, setting it up for you, right? Dad's at the kitchen table. is like drinking a Coke or a Sprite or something sweet. So you have no idea. He's sitting there doing his thing. My mom answers. It's a good day. So she's like, hey, hello. This is, you know, whatever, right? It's like, yeah, this is Kathy Hambrick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my son. Mm-hmm. What? That really does not sound like him. He's standing right here. Hold on one second. Press the phone like this, so make sure that she can hear. And says, Steve, so-and-so behind us is telling me that you walked through her yard today while her dogs were outside. And you picked up rocks and some large sticks and you threw them at her dog and hit the dog. Was that you? It was not. And I said, no, 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 Mom, promise. Listen, that was not me. I said, I, I didn't even walk to Dane's house today. I've never thrown any sticks, any rocks at their dog. The last time I walked through, I waved. They waved back, and we just kept on and went around. That absolutely was not me. I don't know. My mom says, I got you. It was not my son. Happened, right? Cut off. And all of a sudden, you hear the lady's voice on the other end start getting ramped up. My mom's face turns red. Not because she's embarrassed, but because Mama Bear just showed up. And all of a sudden, y'all, she didn't cuss, but she started going off on this woman. All five foot four of her lifted it up right there. She's going to town so much. My dad goes, whoa, puts the glass down, lets her go for a minute to get it all out, right? She grabs the phone from her. She's like this, right? Just like this. And she says, thank you for calling. We're going to go now. Do not call back. And hung up the phone, right? My mom goes, how dare she accuse you of doing any of those things? And I'm sitting there going, this is awesome, right? My mom is advocating for me. She's fighting for me. It cost her relationship with the neighbors and it was forever awkward with them. But who cares? We were great. Like in that moment, I'll tell you something. Hear this, moms. My relationship with my mom changed for me forever. Why? Because she advocated. She believed me. She fought for me. And it changed our relationship forever. Advocate. God's called you to that. That's who you are. The third thing, the third mom, the greatest of all time, Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm going to look at a familiar story. It's from um, John chapter 2, 1 through 5, the first miracle of Jesus. We're not going to look at that at all. It says this on the third day. I want you to think human factors in this story, okay? So often we lose the humanity of Jesus in the context of Scripture, the human nature of his relationships, right? On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the time, excuse me, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. That's an odd statement to make, I'm just saying, right? And Jesus, woman, this is, this is the term of endearment, don't worry, it's nothing rude, right? It's really common. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour's not come. His mother turns to her and says, just do what he says. All right? Now, here's some thoughts. The things that stick out to me every time, the human factors of the story, why does Jesus' mom, why does Jesus' mom tell him about the wine? Like, what's he going to do? Right? What's he going to do in the moment? It's so bizarre. Why 
Why? Like, did she know something was coming? Like, and like, she obviously is intimate with the Lord, right? Intimate with the Lord. I can hear his voice. Like, had they been in conversation and God the Father speaks something, I have no idea. Why did Jesus respond the way that he did? According to some theologians, multiple, as a matter of fact, there's a chance that Jesus was just a little bit irritated with his mom and how this whole dynamic went down. Right? Just a little bit irritated. We're going to get that in a second. Why did Jesus act like it wasn't his time and then almost immediately do what his mom asked him to do? Did Mary hear from God first about this being a divine moment? And that's why she asked. Like, had God shared with her, and all of a sudden God in the moment says, now it's time for you to step into who you're called to be. I have no idea, right? Did Jesus take this step of obedience because God said, obey your mother? I have no idea. Literally, like these are all the things you have to get into the process with a human factor of their relationship. What, what I see in the story speaks volumes to me about connecting, life-giving, brain-building mamas right here. Number one, moms have faith in their children. She knew him so well, knew his heart, that when something like this happened, she knew that she could trust him to act. Like, is it supernatural what she's expecting? Or maybe she's just expecting that he'll run home and grab something. I have no idea. But she so believed in him, had faith in him, right? Even though when she didn't understand what Jesus was doing, or actually when Jesus refused her, Mary still trusted and believed in him. She trusted that he would do the right thing. Isn't that a powerful moment? When moms believe in us, even when all we've done is to show that we're stupid. Right? We do the wrong thing. But they believe in us. There's something they see in us that nobody else can see. Nobody else can see, right? And they believe in us. They show faith. He shows, listen, Jesus is Jesus, but she shows faith in him. It's a beautiful reality of moms expressing this faith. Who Jesus is at the core of his being and moms, that's, that's what separates us. For some reason, you have this innate ability to believe, to believe the best. And when you do, even though we don't believe it about ourselves because you believe, it causes us to at least want to believe. And that's where it begins for so many people. Well, my mom. Has it ever been a part of a story you've heard? Well, my mom. She believed. She said she never gave up. Or what about this? Moms don't recoil. Like they'll go, ooh, right? And run away when something goes wrong in a relationship. So in this interaction, the language Jesus uses is not dishonoring. It's common language saying woman, right? But Jesus may have been a little bit irritated, right? Just think of the human fact of the story. And the irritation is not sin. It's just the reality of a mom and a kid. Have you ever done this? Like your, your, your 16, 17, maybe 25, 30 year old son or daughter, they're getting ready to leave and mom just has that moment, a mom moment. Don't forget to put your seatbelt on, right? Don't be texting and driving. Whatever. Obey the traffic laws. And what do you do? You're a little bit irritated going, oh my gosh, mom, I love you. Seriously, right? And then you drive, and it's this funny moment, right? There's no sin in that. It's literally the, the relationship between a child and their mom. And so, I mean, literally, I have multiple theologians. And I was like, again, I gotta read into that, right? Is there, is there a moment Jesus is like, seriously, mom, I love you, but my time hasn't come. I hear you, I hear you. I really do. I'm gonna honor you by hearing, but my time hasn't come. 
And mom, she's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. She's refusing me. What do I do? And she goes, mm-hmm. You just do what he says. <laughs> right? Has that ever happened? Have you ever seen that happen in the context of your family? Jesus is just a normal family like us. He's the son of God, I'm just saying, right? Similar relationships going on. And in this moment, what Mary could have done is like, oh, my gosh, Jesus is rejecting me. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. She goes, she doesn't, she just doesn't recall. She goes, okay. Because isn't that what moms do? Moms take the stuff. They take the pushback. They take the hardship. They take the meanness that we just spew and go, love covers over a multitude of your mean things. Your sin against me. I don't recoil. I just believe. It hurts in the moment. Listen, it hurts, right? Because in moms, don't you have those moments where your kids just say things? It's like it just cuts to the quick of who you are. You find yourself in tears, but what do you do? Do you find yourself hating your child? No, you're like, oh, God, it's really hard, but I love them. I believe in them. I will not recoil. I will always believe. I will always trust. I wonder if when Jesus turned the water into wine, I just wonder if Mary went, that's my boy. I knew it, (laughs) right? I just wonder. I just wonder. I don't want you to miss the human factor we find in Scripture all the time between parents and children. The nature of their relationship. All these areas where Scripture honestly is quiet and we get to to imagine the beauty of their relationship and what that looks like. To recognize, obviously, Jesus in all of his ways. He's honoring his mother. He's loving his mom. There's none of that. But it's just this beautiful reality that moms, man, moms, bio moms, adopted moms, spiritual moms, stepmoms, foster moms, all of them, called in this moment to build connection. They build trust, devoted to building their children. Why? So that we go from a lack of health to a place of health. Giving themselves sacrificially, even though it may cost them so much in the moment to believe. It's why we're here today. Because moms never gave up. Because the power of God in our moms believed and fought for and advocated and loved with great sacrifice. It's the great spiritual work of Jesus through the women of the world to give them mama hearts, to do things that just seem supernatural. And I want to say and encourage you today, would you keep on being you? Would you keep on advocating? Would you keep on believing? Would you keep on having faith? Will you keep on reminding people to your kids to put on their seatbelts, right? Would you continue to do these things, even though you know what's going to happen? You're going to get pushed back. But you do it anyway. Why? Because we know at the end of the day, humanity is better because of you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the lives 
the lives of our moms, our women, Father, who in so many ways, God, they sacrifice. They choose death to themselves all day long. They love when it seems impossible. They believe, God, when everything around them says not to. They advocate when culture says that's inappropriate. Jesus, I thank you for your mom. For 30 years, she was the human being that impacted and shaped you. She and Salome and a couple other women, they were there when you died and all the other disciples had run away. When the disciples were at home still sleeping, Mary and Salome and other women came to put spices on your body. It just shows their heart as a mom when it's difficult to continue to do what's right. And this morning, Jesus is this kind of step out of the theology of the moment just to look at the practical reality of who you created. I thank you for moms. Thank you for your heart that you placed inside of them. I thank you, Jesus, that we are all here today because of their investment. And I pray today, Jesus, that you would just bless every woman here, that they would know that you're for them, that you love them, you're fighting for them and alongside of them. And I just believe the Lord to say today to each woman, well done. Well done. You may see things you failed in, but well done. Well done. Jesus, thank you. I pray they would see today your heart for them. Amen. This morning I invite you to respond as we normally do. We have times of have offering baskets here, so we're giving box back here and giving kiosk outside, just an act of worship and tithes and offerings. Communions available on both sides. Again, to celebrate the work of Jesus in our lives. We have ministry teams available on on both sides. Let's let to pray for you, moms or dads, whoever it is. Anybody just needs prayer today. But here's what I want to say this morning. If your mom is in the room this morning, would you just make your way to her as we begin ministry time? And it's a little bit awkward. If you're in, that's someone around you, dads, just get out of the way. And let them come on. And this one to love on. So come around them today. Just put your hand on their shoulder. Tell them you love them. And just take someone either to pray out loud or to yourself. Okay, just for them. Just make sure you say to them, I'm praying for you. Okay, and they know what you're doing. If your mom's not here, that's fine. Would you take some time today and just begin to thank God for the moms in your life who've invested into you? And then take some time, either today, preferably, or at least in the next 24 to 48 hours, to reach out to them. If you know how to get a hold of some of them from your past, just thank God and pray a blessing upon them. Let's take a moment this morning to celebrate our moms, to be a blessing to them. Just let them know that we're thankful for them. And after that, when you're done, you can continue just kind of do as the Lord leads. I'll come back up here in a few minutes and pray us out. But let's respond this morning.